0: G'day, punters. I'm Mark Duclos, Welcome along to this week's episode of Behind the Boxes. We've got a big show coming up. Uh, Ricky Brewer and his wife Caitlin will join us. Chief Operations mm-hmm. Officer of Greyhound Racing New South Wales, Wayne Billet, will also be a special guest. But as always, welcome along to my co-host, Timmy the Battler Newball. Timmy, first off, I've got to ask you, mate, how the home delivery is going this week.
1: Yeah, g'day Duke. Yeah, there's been a few come through. I think I, I sent your photo on the weekend of a delivery which came through. So uh, yeah, it's been an exciting week uh, personally. Uh, I, I ventured out of the out of Alcatraz on Monday to go and get the first vaccination shots. I got out of the house for an hour, so that was an exciting part of the week. Work-wise, we're being pretty busy at Greyhound Race in New South Wales with everything happening at the moment, COVID and the like, and continuing with all of the race meetings. So yeah, busy, busy week and yeah, the uh, home deliveries, they continue to roll in each and every day, Jude.
0: Normally, I get tips from you, but when I got a photo of the home delivery and what you got, I knew you were in trouble. Listen, a big show coming up, as said, Ricky Brewer, Caitlin Brewer, Wayne Billet. We're also going to chew the fat. We'll try and find you a couple of dogs to follow and discuss what's hot and what's not. But first up, one of the real young guns of our training ranks in New South Wales is Ricky Brewer. He joins us on behind the boxes this morning, Rick. Welcome along. First off, mate, can you tell me where did your passion for greyhound racing come from?
2: Um, I used to head to the old uh, Richmond Dogs, probably when I was three or four. My old man worked there behind the bar for twenty uh, odd years, so I just sort of tagged along every Wednesday and Friday, and yeah, and just you know was trying to have a bet at a young age and <laughs> just following the dogs, you know.
1: Uh, Ricky, from uh, early days, from the beginning of your working life, what were your aspirations? Was it always to become a, a full-time professional greyhound trainer?
2: No, I, I uh, started uh, carpentry apprenticeship when I was about fourteen, and um, went through till I was sixteen. And my brother moved home at the time. He um, he was working under a few trainers and um, sort of come home with twenty dogs, and I was helping him of an afternoon and. Uh, probably a year later he said Rick I'm up I'm going to New Zealand and uh, I think he left a week later and he left me with 20 dogs I sort of went I don't know what I'm doing I was ringing him every day to say what do I do and (laughs) yeah that's sort of how it all kicked off and just went from there
0: that was brother Daniel wasn't it who worked yeah okay yeah so Dan I I knew Dan 20 odd years ago and that when he was coming through the ranks Rick it's been a long progression from being left with 20 dogs to where you are today. Only a few months ago, you and Caitlin moved to a bigger property at Bargo, which is in Southwest Sydney. First off, tell us about your setup and how many dogs you've got on the property.
2: Yeah, um, we've probably got 30 in the kennels and 20 outside pups. So there'd be 50 to 60 year at all times.
0: Did you have any trepidations about doing it? Because it was a big move. I mean, you're on a smaller property earlier, uh, but now you've you've gone to that next stage.
2: Yeah, we um, we just had the kennels at the old property, and um, we wanted to um, do a few of our own pups and a few clients' pups just to try to give them the best of um, the best of their start in life as, as race dogs. So we thought, you know, let's get another go and, and see how everything goes. And look, up to this point, everything's gone. Fantastic. So
1: and Ricky, you're yet to win a group one race, but you did what many trainers will never do in their lifetime. That is train five winners at one meeting. That was at Bathurst earlier on in the year. Do you rate that your biggest moment in the sport so far?
2: Yeah, I think yeah, that was um that was a good night. We've had we've had a lot of good nights like that, but um yeah, just going to the track and trying to um, just trying to keep the dogs, you know, peaking every week. That's, that's all we strive for. Whatever race it is, we're, we're happy to win at this stage and, you know, just pay the bills and just keep going along.
0: Rick, which trainers do you admire the most? And and I guess the other question, the other part of this question is, um, who has given you the most support during your training career?
2: Um, look, my brother, Daniel, he's always been a big, big help. Without him, we, yeah, we would have struggled at times and, um, Jason Magri's always been there if I need a phone call. Um, you know, same goes with Dave Irwin. If I if I ever need anything, I give them guys a call, and they're, they're more than happy to help out. So they're they're good people.
1: And Rick, when we get back to some sort of normality, uh, what do you hope to achieve in, in the sport? Group one races, obviously, but just continue to train winners along the way.
2: Yeah, that's that's the plan this year. Was the plan to travel around all year? We went to Gunnedah and... Done a few big trips, but obviously that's ended now. So we'll plan on just with the dogs we've got. We've obviously we've got a couple there that look like they're going to be nice dogs, but you know, we're just trying to get around and win the races we could with the with the dogs we've got. So
1: And on that, your current team, are there any you can tip us into to follow? Any any dogs to follow? Any young ones coming through that you think will make the grade?
2: Uh, I've got a couple, they're unnamed. Um, there's, a, there's a bitch here called Lexus Herrera. She's, um, she's just stepped up to the 500, I think over the next four to six weeks. We might see a nice, tidy little bitch there.
0: Rick, thanks for joining us. You, again, the, the life of Greyhound trainer is so busy. So I believe you're about to go to Richmond to trial. Caitlin's going to go to Appen. Uh, yep. You're racing at DAPTO tonight. Tell me, what time did you start this morning? And what time are you going to get home tonight?
2: Oh, we started about 6.30. Um, our last let out, well, Caitlin will do the last let out tonight, about 9.30, and I'm tipping I probably won't be home till after 12. So it'll be a big one tonight.
0: All right, mate, all the best. Thank you so much for joining us. Your lovely wife, Caitlin, has come into shot there. Now, Caitlin, I was just saying to Rick, um, you are the real backbone of this organisation. I know what you do. I don't know how you do it, but Kate, tell me, you've got a husband to look after, firstly, you've got two young kids, you've yeah. got all the pups and all the dogs, you got, you're got you a wonder woman, how do you do it? Oh,
3: I just take it day by day, it is hard, but you do what you love and it makes it a lot easier.
0: And, and tell me about your life in greyhound racing and, and how how did you get involved? Yeah, Rick, you can go You're off to Richmond, mate. Troll the dog. <laughs> Thank you. See <laughs> you <UC> guys. <laughs> Here, mate. Here Rick. Uh, Caitlin, did it did it start with with when you were with Ricky, or was it before that?
3: Um, I got into greyhounds with my auntie and uncle, uh, Jeff and Jane Crawford. Um, and I, I was with them from oh, about 10, year, 10 years old. I think my first race meeting was, and yeah, just from there, I. Kept on going with them, and then I met Ricky at Richmond,
0: and I As think we're do. about sixteen
3: years old. And yeah,
0: and Jeff and Jane—they're up here in Queensland at the moment. Of course, Jeff raced uh, Leroy Rogue, who won a Group One Hobart Thousand.
3: Yeah, he's at stud now. He's a, he's a stellar dog, um, and his yes, his stud career is—it's starting off really nicely. So yeah
0: all right you better tell us which baby is this which one what's this is
3: jack this is jack he's uh just shy of five months now i
0: see him on facebook all the time we (laughs) take him into the kennels with the with the dogs yeah no
3: he's he's great with the dogs he uh he's very patient with me because unfortunately you know sometimes the dogs have to come first but
1: yeah he's he's very good he's very good with them you are a, a superwoman, uh, Caitlin. Believe me, because I've got a six-year-old and a two and a half year old, and we <laughs> haven't got any pets. Actually, we've got a fish, uh, and that's it <laughs> us at the moment. That's I don't know how head. you it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I know, I know. And we actually inherited him when we moved into the house too. He's had in one of the, the back pond. Um Caitlin, you had three new pups arrive uh, earlier on the week. Uh, yeah. Fernando Bale, uh, Serena Fly High, who is yeah. the dam of Jungle Juice, Tommy Shelby. Gee, it must be uh, must be great to be to be uh, entrusted to, to to young pups, uh, the quality of the, of that breed.
3: Oh look! When we got the phone call that um, we had secured uh, some of them, we were just over the moon because um, they're, they're, they're obviously very high-demand pups. Um, but, yeah, hopefully they're going to they're gonna become something nice on the track. Anything half as good as Jungle Juice and Tommy Shelby, that'd be, that'd be nice.
0: Caitlin, is there any sort of, I guess, trepidation about it, that like you've got these pups that are so well-bred and worth such a lot of money? Um, I, I, I already know the, question, the answer to the question, but for the, those who don't, do they get any special treatment that the other pups don't get?
3: Oh, look, they're, they're in a kennel that is uh, right... Oh, they're in a yard, sorry, that is right next to the let-out yard. So I um, am with them nearly all day, every day. Um, but, you know, they're, they're pups. they got to get treated like pups. they got to have fun. They run around. They've got balls in the yard to play with. Um, I am very, very uh, observant of them. I make sure that they're always in the yard. And if I can't see them, I make sure they come running out of the kennel. and. Yeah.
0: Now, we heard, uh, which one's this one? This is- oh, I've got
3: another one.
0: Lane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. A uh, big smile to you. Listen, we just heard Rick say, <clears throat> pardon me, he's off to Richmond. You're off to Appen to trial.
3: Yeah.
0: You come back. You've got to work the dogs in the afternoon. You do the last night, the let out last night. Um, you must get enormous satisfaction out of what you do. Oh,
3: It, it is very rewarding, especially when, you know, like you mentioned earlier about, like, we got five winners in one meeting, um, which that's happened twice now for us. So
0: um, it is it is very
3: rewarding, you know, the early mornings, late nights. I mean, what? how did you go that thing in your hair right now? am on the phone,
0: darling. The joys of technology, see? I know. <laughs> no, but, but it, um, yeah, it is. It is look,
3: very rewarding.
0: Yeah, and it is a tough gig, isn't it, Caitlin? I mean, it's not like it's a nine-to-five job where you just switch on and switch off.
3: No, definitely not. You know, I'm up normally every morning. I'm up about 4.30 with the kids or with Jack mostly. Um, and I'm up from then. And the last let out, you know, is anywhere from 9 to 10 o'clock. So we're not in bed until about 11. So it is, it is very, very long days and stuff. But, yeah, like I said, it's very rewarding.
0: Yeah. All right, we're going to let you go. So we know how busy your life is. Yes. <laughs> well done. I mean, for what you guys are doing and the success that you're having, uh, it is It is great. It's terrific to see young people like yourself and Rick, you know, coming through the ranks and particularly having the success. So from everyone in the game, best of luck. We hope it thank continues. Thank you. I know you've got your hands full on how tough it is. So well <laughs> Caitlin.
3: No, thank you very much, guys.
0: Good on you. That's Caitlin Brewer along with Ricky Brewer. We're going to come back with more on Behind the Boxes right after this. Welcome back to this week's episode of Behind the Boxes. Our next guest is a man that is absolutely influential in ensuring that Greyhound Racing in New South Wales continues during this pandemic. A man who has had a long and illustrious career in the Greyhound Racing industry. Wayne Billet, the Chief Operations Officer of Greyhound Racing New South Wales joins us. And Wayne, thanks for appearing on Behind the Boxes. I have to ask you first up, how difficult and how big a challenge is it for you and your team at Greyhound Racing New South Wales to continue racing through the pandemic.
4: Yeah, good morning, uh, Mark and Tim. Really appreciate the opportunity uh, to be able to come onto the show. Yeah, so certainly uh, a challenge has probably been a bit of an understatement, Mark. I think that, um, you know, the first time around last year, we, you know, we developed a style of racing and pattern, and which was sort of all encompassing with regions, etc., and worked really well. This time... Been very different. The dynamics have been very different. It's been very the fluidity of it's changed. Um, it can change from hour to hour, day to day. Um, this time around, which in itself has has proved a huge challenge to be able to make sure that we're across all the changes, all the guidelines, uh, and be able to um, communicate that to industry and clubs, etc. Um, So it's been very, a very different environment this time. So uh, it's, it's, it's been a challenge, but to be fair, uh, all the stakeholders, whether it be, you know, the clubs, the participants, GWIC, Grand Race Wales, have been absolutely outstanding in being able to adapt to what's been put in front of them.
1: And Wayne, I've seen it firsthand, your racing team, yourself, you've been flat chat all the way through. So I think, Uh, Everyone deserves a pat pat on the back in grain racing, New South Wales, because as you just said, it's a a fluid situation; it changes hour hour. And uh, everyone has done a great job. Yourself, the racing team, and everyone involved, all of the all of the uh, owners and trainers too, with going to the tracks, and even the trainers, we have been transporting their dogs to the track. They've been uh, they've been a big help in the last what six weeks or so.
4: Yeah, definitely, Tim. And, and, and you're right, the, the racing team are the front line of, of their operations. They're, the, they're the, the boys that take the calls from the people, whether it be nominations or whatever. So, so them and themselves have done a fantastic job by navigating through that. And, and you're right, this time we've had to, you know, because of those stricter lockdowns in them LGAs, um, we've had to transport the dogs. And, and you'll know this firsthand, Tim, when we first started this, everyone was a bit hands-off and uh, et cetera. So, you know, we can't be doing that. But now we're facilitating transport. But you know, 40 trainers, approximately 40 trainers are using the service. We're, we're transporting between 80 and 100 dogs a week. Um, to race meetings which is which is an opportunity for people to still be able to race their dogs given the, the the current environment it's just important for those people and their mental health and their well-being and all those sorts of things as well so there are a number of other factors um, that need to be considered in this whole the whole ma- metrics of you know of the operational
0: part and Wayne I, I guess one of the important things that we need to bring up there is that the cost for currying those dogs and transporting them to and from the track—it's actually worn by Greyhound Racing New South Wales.
4: Yeah, correct, Mark. Um, so that's that's something that uh, Greyhound Racing New South Wales is is supporting um, financially. Um, and as I said, we ticks a number of boxes for us, Mark. It allows people to have, still have their dogs race allows them to still be engaged, It still provides them something to be involved in, um, whether it's their hobby or their work or what it is. So we've seen that as a real important um, factor to be able to support uh, our industry people in those areas at the time.
1: Wayne, can we go back to right to the beginning as far as you're your concerned? How did do, how do you first get involved in greyhound racing?
4: i tell you what, Tim, we're going back a long way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> But anyway, uh, it, to, to be to be frank, Tim. Uh, so uh, it was back in the uh, in the seventies, um, late seventies. My, my dad uh, was a a cur- one of the curators at the Dapto track. Uh, so my uncle says he was a curator and the lure driver um, at DAPDO. Seth was deaf and dumb, and most people would remember Seth from all those years ago. So he was a curator there, and Dad used to go up there and help uh, all the time, um, and was a part of the local show society, etc. So as a kid. Uh, we lived, you know, well, mum and dad still lived like 150 metres down the road from the entrance to the showground. So I was on the push bike and school holidays and after school and up at the showground, any chance I could get as a kid. So that sort of um, started the appetite, I suppose. And, and I am from a racing uh, background. Uh, my, my dad trained racehorses out of Kemmer Grange for a long time. Both my grandfathers were also racehorse trainers. and My uncle was a racehorse trainer and a ground trainer. So... Racing sort of in the blood. Um, And so that's sort of been the progression for me or how it sort of started.
0: Wayne, I I want to talk about your stint at DAPTO firstly, and we'll talk about your career after that. But I want to go back to 1991. It was the first Superco Classic, I think. It was worth $100,000 to the winner. Uh, At the time, it was the richest greyhound race in the world. The crowds were massive at DAPTO. And there's W. Billet looking resplendent in... White Top Hat and Tails.
4: Thanks for that memory, Mark. Like it just <laughs> come flooding. come flooding back. It's funny. I had um, I had uh, Simon Rhodes a few months ago send me a uh, clip, an old YouTube clip um, of me actually walking onto the track in the white in the white top hat and tails. Yeah, that's and it's that's interesting. what we're um, looking at Billy... right at
0: this moment, mate.
4: Yeah, here it is on screen for you. Yeah, just so you can relive it again. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so Billy Dwyer was the secretary of Dapto in those days. And, uh, and as we know, he, he was a, uh, he was an absolutely leader and innovator in, in, in greyhound racing. And to be fair, had a very big influence on, on my career. Um, so he said to me, Wayne, something different for the final. He said, normally I just normal wear a normal suit with a tie. He says, wear this. And I just pulled up and, I don't really swear a lot, Mark, but I can tell you there was a few, few superlatives come out on that occasion. I said, no, I'm not wearing that. He said, mate, you're wearing it. And um, anyway, at the end of the day, um, you look back on it, it as a bit of good fun. Um, it was at, at the time, you're right, it was, you know what, talking about buzzes around racetracks, those type of occasions, there was just, they were packed to the rafters. There was just the buzz. You're right. It's the world. It was the world's richest greyhound race. Those sorts of things have sort of set our platform for where our racing is. You know, when people forget about what happened in those days, but that's what our industry's built on is those type of innovations and those type of people who just wanted to be out, make our industry better.
0: It was a night full of drama, but uh, the race was called off. There was a fall in the race, dog ran back through the field. Um, what, you know, how, how vivid are your recollections of that night?
4: Oh, it's, it's crystal clear, Mark. Red Star Rocket, Harry Hampson, the dog gets to the first turn, over and comes back, November Earl hits the front down the back straight, um, come around the home turn and Harry Hampson running out in the middle of the track and everyone trying to stop this dog um, from coming back into the field. Um, obviously not successful, um, so there was a no race. They did try to rerun the race the week after, but you've got to appreciate back in those days, a hundred thousand of the winner and, and the second and third prize money wasn't too bad either. So they split the prize money and I think they got it roughly sort of circa $15,000 each um, for each dog. So uh, there was some people, you know, people thought, well, I'm taking the money and running them. So <laughs> they couldn't get, they couldn't get, they couldn't get a quorum up to run it the week after. So they had to split the prize money, but uh, you know, the, the old, the old uh, analogy, uh, is that no publicity is bad publicity. So I think it was just as much publicity generated after the event uh, as if there was before the event.
1: Quite remarkable, 30 years ago this year, Wayne. Um, now you mentioned innovation just a moment ago. Now you've been a big part of innovation in, in grey racing. The Dapto Puppy Auction, you've uh, also introduced the Richmond uh, Riches Puppy Auction. Uh, I guess, you know, you've got a real passion for, for, for auctions. I
4: do. I, I love the auctions, Tim. And we've we actually done a couple of ready-to-run auctions at DATBO too um, in my time there. To be fair, they were only probably poor. Uh, and the reason was just the time and the resources that probably needed to go into them. I probably didn't really uh, understand the volume of work that was involved. But me auctions, are a, they've been a, I think they're a big part of our industry and something that at times we've embraced really well and other times we haven't. My view is I've always said that if we can get one new person into greyhound racing through an auction, the auction's successful. And there's been many, many people who've got involved in auctions and continue to be involved through their first purchase of an auction. And then we've had some fantastic dogs um, go through the auctions. And, you know, obviously the standout one is the bidding war at at one of the Richmond Riches auctions with 30 talks, you know, for $30,000 unopposed, where's Pedro... Uh, letter that um, George and Terry sold them today to um, um, Mr Antonio who's you know obviously no longer with us but those sorts of things is they wouldn't have had them opportunities to buy those sorts of dogs and, and, and etc without auctions so you know at the moment they're sort of sitting on the sideline to be fair and has probably had a bit of a, a part to play in that Tim but I do see um that at some point in the near future, we will look at rebranding and definitely bringing those back in because they're not only important for the buyers, they're also important for the vendors, uh, for people to be able to have an opportunity to sell their stock um, to people. And of all, you know, it's, it's known that if you've got good quality stock, it will always sell at an auction. Um, and history says that.
0: Yeah, and look, Wayne, obviously we launched gold muzzle auctions a couple of years ago. We had a very successful auction in 2019. Flying Ricardo was the headline dog, but I know personally because I was running them that the trials and tribulations trying to get stock for the next couple. Um, and then we hit COVID, it was just a nightmare. And people quite rightly said, look, it's it's just a bit too hard at the moment. So look, we're hopeful of relaunching Gold Muzzle yep. with, with the assistance of GRNSW next year as well. But I just want to go backtrack a little bit. Um, we we know that you're adapto, we know that you're the General manager at Richmond as well, but in between that time, you you had a long career as a steward, also with uh, firstly the old Greyhound Racing Control Board, and then lately with Greyhound Racing New South Wales in your new position.
4: Yes, yeah, so um, so along along my journey, Mark, I've worked for the Greyhound Control Board, Greyhound Racing Authority, Greyhound Harness Racing, <laughs> Greyhound Racing New South Wales. You you name it; it's on the resume. Uh, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but yeah, I mean. Um, Again, that was that was um, that started back in the in the Dapto days. Uh, they, they used to have club stewards back in those days. Um, so as you know, Dapto used to run twilight meetings. Was well, a lot of places used to run the old twilight meetings. So sometimes Dapto would have two meetings in the day. They'd have ten in the morning, thirteen in the afternoon, um, non tabs, and then their night meeting. Um, but generally, they'd have their thirteen every Thursday afternoon. At the time, um, Jack Burgess was the club steward. And Jack um, had been undergoing, had some health issues. So um, Bill, uh, Bill Dwyer asked, he said, oh, why don't you just sort of be the apprentice and, and sort of support Jack being the, the club steward? So I, I'd done that. Um, and then that sort of turned into a part-time role with uh, with the Gray and Racing Control Board at the time. Um, I became um, a part time under Ronnie. Nicholas was the chief steward then. And then, then led, led to a full-time role. Um, and then... I left um, full-time student to actually go to Dapdo, and then and then when I left Dapdo, I, I come back to be a steward again. Uh, and then I went to Richmond. So yeah, and stewarding's a, a, a really important part of our business. That interior component—it's it's something I've, I've, I've you know I've enjoyed. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, hard but fair is is my view in in regard to that. Uh, at the end of the day, some people make some silly mistakes they don't have intent so i think it's just got to be some common sense in that regard of, with how that how people should be treated and what should be done i think it's it's no rocket science it's just just respect i think is this biggest thing for me with regards to integrity
1: and wayne what what are some of the biggest changes you've seen uh in your time in the industry oh tim there's that's
4: that's that's a really good question i, I think the 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 on course attendance been has been one. I think that you know you, you, mm-hmm. we you know we spoke about nineteen uh nine, you know back in the the nineties when that uh, hundred thousand on you packed them in, but yeah I think that on course attendance has changed. The dynamics of those changed, and we all know that because of Sky and TV. So I think that that on course wagering dynamics is very different. You know we had the tab who was had the sole was the sole um, provider of, uh, of of wagering opportunities other than on course bookmakers of course um that's very that's a very different dynamic these days that you know i mean every second ad on tv is about a wsp etc so i think that's 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 been a huge challenge i think that the tracks themselves now traditionally uh they're all grass tracks. Um, you know, I remember many times re-turfing after, you know, on a Friday after a Thursday at that day, and you're re for the following Thursday or so. So that's very different. So the, tracks have, the tracks have come a, a, a long way in that regard. Um, I, I don't think people really understood how much works involved. You know, when the scene tracks came in, everyone thought, oh, this is going to be easy to maintain, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think at the time, I think that's probably fallacy. Now, I think to be fair, there's, there's more time spent on tracks than there's ever been because of just the required maintenance. So I think that's been a change, and also I think the the rehoming um, component of our industry is very different um, in that regard. I think that uh, basically you know, we've we've come a long way in the last five years because we've you know that component of our business was was quite uh, small, but it's it's just become quite large in that regard and a really important component. So um, I think we can, we know, we genuinely show in our industry now that we can care for our dogs um, from start to finish, which, which at the end of the day is, is probably, you know, that's that's center of everything that we do now is, is the welfare of our greyhounds. So that's probably been the biggest changes from my view.
0: Away from the track, Wayne, we know, I know that you're a devoted dad, you're a devoted family man, but you and your wife, Amy, share a love of, of hockey
4: yeah we do Mark uh, our family does um, so it's, it's interesting um, just this week they called they called the comp the rest of the comp off down here in the Illawarra so uh, I've been involved sort of for 40 years um, playing with the local Dapto club um, I've been lucky that uh, a lot of my great friendships etc. Uh, have been done through hockey so it's something that Amy and I share um, she holds the honours um, she's you know she's played for Australia indoor, going over to the Masters World Cup, played overseas and stuff. So, so I always get regularly reminded, what's it like to be the worst player in your family, but uh, that's okay. I can, yeah, I, can, I, can, I can live with that, but uh, it is, it's something that, you know, as a family unit, hockey is very family orientated. Um, sport, you know, we all play, the kids play. Um, we have a great, uh, it's you know, part of our social um, component of what we do in our lives. So it's, it's good mate, we, we, we love it and um, yeah, um, unfortunately the, the comp's been called off this year, but that's
0: life and we'll uh, look to rebound and get back into it next year. And finally mate, the future of the industry, apart from riding out the pandemic, um, what are some of the biggest challenges we've got moving forward and also what excites you the most?
4: Yeah, I, I think um, I think the, the biggest challenge is is you know is to, is to continue to, to work in that rehoming perspective. It's maybe not a challenge, but just to work to continue to work on that basis. I think that's really important. I think it's really important that industry stays competitive. I think that that you know, that gets lost along the way at times. So I think that's been one of our focuses at Grain race New South Wales, is to make sure that our industry is competitive, um, and to support our participants. And I also think uh you know, I think with the recent introduction of Grafton and Richmond, um, they have been absolutely resoundingly well-received across the board. So I think that allows us to set a platform for standard and where we need to head to into the future, because at the end of the day, we're relying on our canine athletes to to participate. We want them to be able to participate in the best opportunities and and the reinvigoration and the construction of venues. Will help facilitate that. So I think if we we can work on those areas, I think that they're the challenges that we'll we'll work through. And you know, we've obviously got support from the government with um, with funding to do that, and obviously industry will support that as well. So I think if we can focus on those, uh, we'll be well
0: placed for the future. And listen, I've got to ask you before we get, wrap this up, um, the offside of the co-host. He started with you a couple of months back or six weeks. ago. How's he going, mate? Can you give us an update on his? On his development at Greyhound Racing New South Wales. Well, uh, to
4: be honest, uh, Duke, I don't think he what he signed up for. He's probably <laughs> doing at the moment. To be to, to be totally honest. Um, but um, so obviously, you know, Tim was brought in uh, from to be a club engagement to support me in that aspect and, and work with our clubs. And and to be fair, yeah, you know, we dipped our toe in the water there, but haven't been able to do a lot. But um, from a transport and COVID perspective, uh, Tim's been. Uh, absolutely great support to me um, in, in that aspect. He's uh, initially I was doing that, and the workload was was becoming quite um, quite extensive. So Tim has, looks after all the operational aspects, dealing with Gwic, the trainers, the transporters. It's been absolutely fantastic, and uh, you know that, that you know Tim and the racing team, and and some of the other you know even you know the Gwic bets and stewards, some of the unsung heroes, and some of this to to really make sure that we would be able to get through it. But yeah, uh, no, no, I look forward to when um, Tim and I can actually meet face-to-face um, because since he started, we haven't been able to do that and and, and we'll uh, be able to attack some of the things that we need to do um, in, within our club framework. You're
0: like you say for another month at least, I'd yeah. say.
1: Yeah, the check's in the mail, Wayne. The check's
4: in the mail. Don't
0: worry about that. <laughs> yeah. No, no. no. Wayne. Uh, it's, it's been a great team effort. Thank you so much for your time, mate. Thank you for your contribution to the greyhound racing industry. You and I have worked closely together for a number of years now, um, and I've said it to a number of people, I don't mean to embarrass you, you are the most honest, hardest working person I've ever met in greyhound racing. So congratulations on your career and let's hope it continues for many more years, mate.
4: Yeah, thanks, Mark. I really appreciate that. Um, And um, if I could just say this, I think for me last week, what was really touching for me was that um, Amy actually got a, a bunch of flowers. Um, So we got some flowers delivered to our house last week. Um, And they were from different representatives of the industry. Um, And for me, um, that small gesture um, at the time, because last week was a really tough time um, personally and industry wise, we were just doing it tough. And that to me just, it just, gave me a bit of, you know, I was in comfort in what I'm doing and what we're trying to do and that we are doing the right thing for industry and only have ever tried to do the right thing for industry. I get not every decision that we make is going to suit everyone, but, you know, we've just tried to do the right thing. And yeah, I think just moments like that. So, you know, I really appreciate the sentiment. Um, At the end of the day, I've always considered myself to be a participant, even though I'm never a leader and a dog, but um, I've always try and do the best for industry while I'm in a role like this. So I really appreciate the
0: sentiment and the comment. Oh, that's great. And uh, it's the little things that matter the most in life, mate, as we all know. So um, to the people mm-hmm. who organised the flowers Damie, Amy, uh, well done, congratulations. And, and again, congratulations to you, Wayne. Thanks for joining us on Behind the Boxes and, uh, and we'll chat again in the future. Yeah, no worries. I really appreciate the opportunity
4: being on, gents. Thank
0: you. Uh, good on you, Wayne. Thank you so much for your time on behind the boxes. Battler, time for us to chew the fat. What's hot? What's not? What's hot for you this week? A
1: bonny little bitch named Chrissy Banner uh, She is airborne. She she's won 19 races from what 30 odd starts. Last week at Richmond, she led all of the way over the middle journey, but she's made it three on the trot, and she's really found a mojo again. In recent weeks, Barry Gibbons is her trainer. He does a tremendous job with probably what you could say a boutique racing team. Hasn't got a huge team. Um, she ran 30 and 30 at Richmond, three runs ago with a 500, then up to the 590 Bulleye, ran a near track record there and a terrific win at, at Richmond, as I mentioned, last Saturday night leading all of the way. And she beat some really, really quality opposition, including the likes of, uh, you know, Super Estrella who we've both got a big, big wrap on. Um, look, she's, She's just, she's right in that zone at the moment. Um, she's versatile. She's won over the 400, the 500, 600 metres. So yeah, she's my what's hot this week, Chrissy Banner.
0: Yeah, Barry does a great job with his dogs. All of them, uh, most of them carry that Banner uh, suffix. I'll tell you what's hot for me, but a greyhound by the name of Orson Laurie, prepared by Lenny and Evelyn Harris. Uh, stepped out of Grafton on Sunday afternoon, first up in a maiden, and runs a track record of nineteen eighty one over the three hundred and fifty meters. So the last time I remember a greyhound uh, making its debut and setting a track record, I think it was Space Star at Richmond over the six eighteen meters. That's going back, you know, five or six years ago now. But uh, this young pup, owned by Laurie Rafalo, who's been a long time client of the Harris Kennel, uh, he's by Orson Allen out of um, I think it's Jackie's. Laurie's Jackie. Laurie's Jackie, that's right. Uh, again, one of Laurie Ruffalo's breeding that. Boy, oh boy, to run 1981 A is an enormous thing, but to set a track record at your first start, that's huge as well.
1: Yeah, and the previous record, Typhoon Sammy, 1985. Very, very talented Greyhound. Now in the care of Jason Thompson, and he is on a, on a Victorian Country Cups path. So it just shows how, how, uh, how good, you know, um, awesome, Laurie could be if you're you drawing a line through Typhoon Sammy. And I do know a greyhound at the moment, Duke, Mickey uh, Mickey Dew, who's been yep. burning up the track at the gardens, has run thir- uh, 29.30 on a, a couple of times over the 500 metres. I know he trialled at uh, Grafton prior to the winter carnival and he trialled around 1980 as well. So he, 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 I'm just gauging a line through those two greyhounds what they've since done, you know, running around the 19s, you know, at, at, at Grafton. So I, I think he's got a pretty big future. But you know what? I can't work out. How on earth did he start $2.50 from box two?
0: Well, I don't um, look. I don't think Lenny and Evelyn, are, I, I don't think they're a big, what we would call a big punting kennel. Um, and he had trial there. People knew about him. But it was the case the week before. I think Andrew Monaghan had a dog started tens on um, because of his trials as well. So Maybe they just they missed that one and let it go through yeah. the keeper. But, of course, the Harris has had great success with that great old warhorse cosmic bonus. And, and I think Evelyn said it'd be great if we had another cosmic bonus. Boy, oh, boy. awesome Laurie to run a track record first up. Uh, an outstanding effort. I'll tell you what else, Hot Battle, this week at Bulleye. Race 4 and Race 6, two of the best races we've seen in recent times. Obviously, Wennie Park in hiatus at the moment. Let's talk about Race 4. It's the top grade sprint over 472 metres. This is a group class field. Isn't it? What?
1: Lily Banner, she's a group one Peter Mossman winner. Good odds cash. She's a real uppercomer. She won the New South Wales Sprint Championship only a couple of weeks ago in zone one. Wow, he needs no introduction. Zipping Conway, he's quite possibly one of the uh, biggest boom dogs in New South Wales. It is a red hot field. Wow, he was brilliant on Wednesday night running 26.04 around Bulleye. Um, He's backing up again on Saturday night, but gee, it's a hot race. Um, you know, we've both got a big rap on Good Odds Cash. She's drawn to get clear running early. Uh, underneath Wow, Zipping Conway, he's won five out of seven, Duke, and he's run very quick time around there. He's broken the 26, so it is a red hot field. We'll be tuning into that race, 7.08 on
0: Saturday night. Yeah, and of course, Trunky Rose, who draws box six. Uh, she was a finalist in the Group 1 Bullo Gold Cup earlier this year, Malzini, Um, you know, terrific money spinner, it is a red hot feel. Uh, Race six on the card, Timmy, this is the uh, top grade over the 590 metres. Stanley Road, Super Estrella, Explosive Venom, Meet by Hero, Sound of Silence, Chrissy Banner. Seriously? How good a race is this going to be?
1: <laughs> Another corker, isn't it? Stanley Road, he's resuming from a injury enforced spell. He, we last saw him when he finished uh, runner-up in the Sandown Cup back in, uh, what, late May? Uh, of course, he's a dual-group One winner. He's perfectly drawn in box number one. He's a, he's a mad railer. Uh, there's no doubt he'll be giving these... Greyhound's are star, but I read an article uh, which uh, Mark Gatt, you know, stated he's he's got him trialling, he's got him back well, he, he's ready to go, he's been trialling over the 500 metres. Uh, look, they'll need to run a near track record to win this race. They'll be hiking because Chrissy Banner, who I've just highlighted, she's the likely leader in the race, she'll charge across from the wide alley, likely go to the top. Where will Super Estrella, you know, settle, I'd say she'll cross uh, Stanley Road in the early stages. Her run when she finished third behind Chrissy Banner last Friday night or Saturday night at Richmond was a corker. She found trouble at the first turn. Her run to finish third in the end was really good. Uh, you can't knock Sound of Silence. What he's won what fifteen or sixteen of thirty odd starts uh, and explosive venom. He's uh, or she's the real up and cover So yeah, another cracking race. We're, we're not we're not seeing city racing at Woodworth Park, Duke, but we're certainly
0: seeing city class racing at Bulleye I've got a real rap on Explosive Venom Battler, um, trained by Dan Flanagan, uh, up at uh, near Cessnock at Head and, Renner and that. Um, she has jumped out of the ground the last you know, four starts, she's won on the bounce. She won at the gardens in 29-29, we're talking a length and a bit outside the track record, uh, then went one again at the gardens, then went to Maitland, won over the 565 metres, but have a look at a win last week at the Gardens over the 600. She had no – she wasn't entitled to win the race the way it was run and the trouble she struck. I know there's some massive step-up in class for her, but I also know that, you know, greyhounds, when they're racing with confidence, they do things that you don't expect them to do. And she can obviously run time 29-2 at the Gardens. Thank you. Yeah, she is an up-and-comer. But, yeah, as you just alluded to, it is a big,
1: big, steep uh, rising class here. Like, she beat Sailing Home, who – you know, only a fifth grader, you know, uh, at, at a latest run of the guns. I know she's put the time on the board, but hey, this is, this is near yeah. enough to a. you know, we know he's a group one dog, Steenly Road, Super estrella she'll get to group one level. The way Chrissy Banner is going, look, yeah, she could she could end up in anything, even down the track in, in group ones if, if Barry elected to go, you know, maybe up to you know uh, the middle journey interstate and, and and look for a group one later in the year. So yeah, I I, I do I I concur she's she's got ability, she's on an upward trend, but gee, yeah, she is rising sharply in class here. Oh,
0: absolute cracking, Ray. So, all right? So let's find a dog to follow. Who have you got this week?
1: Now I'm going to Dapto last Thursday night. A young greyhound by the name of Velocity Tamika won the big maiden final there. Uh, gee, I was impressed with what she did. She began cleanly. She she drove hard along the inside. She went to the top. She ran a 5:41 early section, 17:14 to the top turn. But what I liked about a mid race Duke, she had pressure from the outside, but she just kept on driving. And for a, she's not a big girl, um, she had pressure. She's uh, only a second run. So to drive what she did and, and hold that greyhound from crossing, and then she just knuckled down and she roared away. She left at Rivals right, lamenting in the latter stages. 12.57 the run home time. 29.71 overall. It looks a lovely, lovely litter, actually. There's only three to have raced of the litter. They've all won at their first or second start in the care of Glenn and Robin Goodwin, who... Uh, they're no stranger to Group 1 success. They won the Peter Mossman a few years ago with uh, Velocity Liberty from memory. Um, but what was even uh, more better about the run, Duke, that Zulu Warlord, a free-for-aller, we know what, what he can do uh, and the times he can run. Well, he won the top-grade race for the evening, running 29.63 just a, an hour and a half later. So she was eight 100s outside his run. So... Gee, I think she's got a big, big future. She goes around at Adapto tonight. We're recording this on a Thursday. Uh, she's drawn box eight. She's better drawn nearer to the rails, but I think she might get a card across, but I think she's a definite dog to follow. Velocity Tamika.
0: All right, my dog to follow. I'm still trying to get on the board. Lockmaster in second or third of bulli last night. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna play safe here. Quality, Equality, uh, who's a litter mate to a dog you tipped a couple of weeks back called Top Quality. Prepared by Darrell Thomas. Uh, by Barcia Bale out of all quality, beautiful dam line, Le Grand quality dogs like that. Four starts, four wins, kicked off a career at uh, Richmond over the 300, ran 18.5, uh, went to the gardens over the 400, won there, won at Maitland over the 400, went back to the gardens last week, ran 29.59, ran 4.95 to the first mark. Um, again, no gold stars for tipping something like this, but I'm just saying that, She's a dog, if, and I know Daryl's had problems with her, and she had some injury problems, um, and he's been very, very patient with her, but she's a dog that, is so, if she continues that upward trajectory that we talk about, uh, and when we do get group racing back, she could be a dog that makes that, that step up to that level, Tim
1: yeah concur duke uh, a real real talent as i said I, I highlighted the uh the other one in the litter uh top quality as you just mentioned the other week and uh yeah daryl's he's got some uh nice young pups on his hands at the moment and and he places his greyhounds really well you know they he, he they're, they're generally lightly raced early days uh and there's no doubt this greyhound it'll be winning many more And uh, owned by uh, Kelly Fogarty, who I mentioned on the show uh, not too long ago. Um, uh, she's, uh, she's a good friend of mine. It's great to see Kel. She's got another talented type.
0: All right, so that is What's Hot, What's Not. They are our dogs to follow. Next week on Behind the Boxes, uh, Wade Birch from GWIC will be joining us. Now, if you've got questions that you'd like us to ask Wade, just send us an email to Behind the Boxes. So the email addy is btb at grnsw dot com dot wade birch on next week's episode of behind the boxes send us in your questions i know a lot of people have got questions uh for g week and about the regulation of our sport so if you've got a question this is your opportunity that timmy and i can ask wade birch those questions next week that's all we've got for this week Batlow, uh big week um home shopping what's on the agenda this week what, what have you got coming you know what i <laughs> You know what I actually ordered the other day? And I think they'll be here in the next day
1: or two. Martini what, glasses. What, or, or something? What was it? <laughs> no, martini glasses. Oh. I'm going to try and make <laughs> making express so martinis on the weekend. Uh, I said to Paula, I said, listen, we're going to try and do something Saturday to fill in an hour or two. And... Uh, I might cook a barbie and, you know, get a bit of seafood or something and, and try my hand at an espresso right, martini. Why, why don't
0: you go to the next step, mate? Why don't you do the, you know, my name's Newbold, Tim Newbold. Do the James Bond. Yeah, no. The shoot, the bow tie, right? The the dry martini. Stirred, <laughs> not shaken, shaken, not stirred. What, you know, like, yeah, yeah, no, make I an did. effort, mate. Come on, I'd mate. be
1: laughed out of the household if I did that, believe me.
0: <laughs> make an effort for her. Come on, she does a great job. She puts up with it. All right, mate. Hey, listen, um... Let's hope uh, this Saturday night meeting at Bulleye I'll be watching intensely and uh, it looks like to be a great week of racing. Uh, turnover figures, it's through the roof uh, on Greyhound Racing in New South Wales. So the future is again looking very bright. Thanks for your company again, mate. See you next week. Be a lo- been a lot of fun, you. Chat then. All uh, right, Timmy Newball, the battler on Behind the Boxes. And I will join you next week here on Behind the Boxes. Don't forget, send us those emails to btb at grnsw.com. Dot .com.au dot finally put the teeth back in and I'll catch you next week bye for now